Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Ham Nation is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Ham Nation, Episode 2, recorded May 31st, 2011, Emergency Communications. Hello everybody, this is Bob Heil, K9EID, and I'm coming to you tonight with some very special guests, and of course this show is about Ham Radio. All of the facets of what we do in this great hobby, and uh, we're so thrilled that Leo gives us the time here on the Twit Network. And uh, over uh, future shows, we have so many subjects to cover. But I had to change my agenda a little bit. I thought because of the tremendous amount of of work and things that are going on behind the scenes with all of this storm damage, and it's not just here, it's all over the country, it would be best for us to bring in some very, very good guest that's been right up in front. And uh, first of all, I want to introduce you to Gordon West, WDB6. Are you there, Gordo? NOA. Uh, I'm here, Bob. Good yeah. to see you, Gordo. WB6NOA. And Susie over there, N6 Golf Lima Foxtrot. Happy to be oh. aboard. All right. We're happy to have you. And coming from Kansas City is Brian, KC0BS. And hello to you, Brian. Glad you could be here. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. A fabulous station. You look like NBC Central back there, but uh, you can you can tell us later why, because he does all of these different nets and things, and it's it's really wonderful to have you guys. I um I, I'm a little bit um, coupled to some of the happenings in in Joplin, which is not too far away, just uh, half a state away, so to speak. Uh, we're just east of St. Louis, and. Um, there's been so many storms going through Missouri lately, but that one has been just awful. Uh, we have a really good friend. Uh, we do the, the microphones and headsets for the Professional Bull Riders Association. And when I really got into this uh, last week, right after the day, uh, actually, that everybody was trying to convene on the place, our friend uh, Jim White and his wife Joyce, they uh, left the PBR tour uh, and brought a whole truckload of things, a PBR truck, and they live in Joplin, just about five blocks from where all the damage started. And it's been something, and I learned a lot about what was going on. They have, I think, 35 people staying in their home. Their church is very active. And then the other day, while we were talking with Brian, and he said, kind of like, like most hams, nonchalantly, oh, yeah, I, I just came back with three days in Joplin. I'm going, wait a minute. And so we've been talking about what's going on in Joplin. Joplin, and uh, Gordon and I have, have talked about all this emergency stuff so many times. He does so much on the West Coast. So I thought it'd be really nice to change the whole agenda tonight, bring these guys in, and let them 
tell us what goes on behind the scenes. You see, we, we've got some really neat pictures, too, and Alex, we can bring up some of those. It, 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 that's the picture number one. You know, we, we've seen all of this damage. You see that on the news. So it, it, that stuff is what we uh, most people see, and, and there's, there's more. Uh, uh, slide two has total devastation. I mean, that, that's the stuff we see on television. And uh, number three had a really uh, heartbreaking one. Somebody's little teddy bear and their cars damaged. And, and it just goes on and on to destroyed homes. There's, a, there's just a whole bunch of things going on. So what I want to do is let, let Brian tell you, because he was right in the middle of some of this. Brian, that, uh, that picture that just came up there, that house, uh, you uh, had something real close to, uh, to that, I know. But let's let you take off and tell everybody after the pictures we just saw what really goes on uh, in all of this uh, damage and, and how the hams prepare for it. And you're the guy to do that right now. Sure. Well, if you want to roll back to picture one, if he can bring that back up, uh, it's kind of interesting because when you go into a disaster scene, uh, I've been to quite a few different recovery scenes uh, from tornadoes. I've never seen one look like this where everything is destroyed. It's usually one house uh, has some damage, the next house gets spared, and then the house after that might be totally wiped out. But here it looked like people had been driving around in bulldozers forever. And uh, there were so many power lines down that people were just ignoring them, which normally is, uh, I mean, we're trained over and over to never ignore a power line, but people were just walking over like they were nothing uh, because there were just so much damage. Here's an interesting one. This is actually, this helicopter is particularly interesting. So you've heard of all kinds of different strange things happen in a tornado, such as maybe a straw going into a tree or a two-by-four through a brick wall. Uh, well, in this one, a deer was actually picked up by the tornado and thrown into the cockpit through the front window. So there's actually a deer in that uh, helicopter as they were towing it away. That helicopter, that, uh, that was on top of the hospital and it got blown off, right? Yeah, there's a helipad beside the hospital, but yeah, it was just totally <laughs> destroyed. That's right. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, and you, um, you work with Saturn, is that correct? That's correct. I work. Of course, I'm, I'm crazy for ham radio, just like you are, Bob. I try to do uh, ham radio things every day. So I, uh, uh, Saturn is one of the most active groups as far as helping in disaster. It's the Salvation Army Team Emergency Radio Network spelled S-A-T-E-R-N, and uh, what they do is they help to support the relief efforts that the Salvation Army does, and mainly what the Salvation Army does in, in Missouri is feeding. So they have these canteens like you can see here, and they need to be able to keep track of where those canteens are, where the food is needed, and in that way, it's very much like the same things that we do on a non-emergency, a public service event like a marathon or a bike ride for many of the uh, agencies out there like the March of Dimes or Multiple Sclerosis who are uh, raising money, uh, they, they often use ham radio support in a non-emergency fashion. And what's really fascinating is that the emergency turns out to be exactly like the non-emergency so that we practice like we play in emergency and it, it becomes extremely valuable. I had a volunteer come up to me and say, well, I've never been in a disaster before. I don't think I can help. I said, well, what have you done? She said, uh, 
Uh, I've done the MS-150 for the last five years, and that's a 150-mile bike ride that the Multiple Sclerosis Society does to raise money. I said, if you've done the MS-150, then you'll fit right in. It's just exactly the same thing. Wow. And I guess the first thing you have to do when you go into these things, uh, you set all these things up. And we're talking about you have to set up uh, antennas and you have to set up, I guess, wireless uh, routers so you guys can have uh, communications with your computers. Uh, what goes on behind the scenes with all of that when you first go into that? Right. If you go back to, uh, let's see which picture it is here, uh, picture number 11 uh, with the uh, with the uh, Actually, that's a canteen. They have it labeled as a comm truck. What you can't see just beyond the, the navigator on the right-hand side, which is my truck, is a little trailer. There's a, what we call a little trailer with a big antenna, and you can see that pole with a white <laughs> stick on the top of it. Uh, that that uh, Salvation Army vehicle in front is not a comm van. I wish it was. That would be nice. But that's what they use for feeding. The Salvation Army is really, really good about spending their money where it counts for people. And so getting the food out is their number one priority. Uh, we kind of live on uh, ham radio scraps, and uh, uh, we're very proud of uh, how frugal we are. We have a little two-wheeled trailer that has the communications. In fact, if you go to picture number seven, uh, there, uh, that's a picture of me in the command trailer. Uh, and inside, we have HF communications, so you can see the radio there at the left. Uh, we also use APRS, which is automatic position reporting, so that we can actually track those canteens using automatic GPS trackers. Uh, makes it really handy because if you're trying to figure out where uh, the food is and where to get it, you can see it right there on a map without having to have a lot of radio traffic about where are you, especially in disasters when a lot of the road signs have been blown down. APRS is extremely valuable, and we use a software called UIView uh, that is very popular in the Kansas City area. And uh, people use it again. We play like we uh, we uh, play like we drill, and we drill like we, we play. So people use it every, on an everyday basis. When it comes time in an emergency, they know how it works, and it uh, works very well. Well, we have a lot of uh, of viewers and, and listeners on this podcast and we want to try to help them along a little bit gordo uh, uh, why don't you explain what aprs is what it means what it does how we use it to some of those that wouldn't really uh know about aprs can you do that please well we sure can uh, bob and uh, brian congratulations on a great job in using the latest of uh, technology um aprs automatic position reporting system. APRS is one of the latest tools that amateur radio operators use. And the communications take place on the ham radio bands and they are packets of information. And Suze, if you wanna hand me, this is, Brian, you'll appreciate this. This is a completely portable APRS uh, system. Uh, we've got the handheld. This one's made by Kenwood Corporation, and we have the AvMap GPS. And these two pieces of communications allow hams to uh, send their position via the Kenwood uh, handheld radio worn on their belt and be able to, at another location, see the position of local radio operators. And I don't know if we can, uh, you can almost see, there we go, there's some call letters there. 
of uh, local hams in the area. So thanks to um, the uh, APRS network, uh, we're able to uh, send and receive our positions, time uh, stamp them, and uh, all of these uh, locations also appear on the web so those uh, emergency managers can see where the different resources are. That's wonderful. The technology has really, uh, really helped all of you guys that are out there in the field, uh, no doubt. Uh, APRS is it's probably one of the best things that's come along in a long time, don't you think, Gordon? Um, I do, Bob. I think APRS is a great way of going. But, you know, um, basic radios used by those uh, in the disaster area. Uh, we do training out here and we agree with Brian that train like you play and play like you train. This is a common family radio service radio that uh, we encourage our local residents here in the Southland in Costa Mesa to use and regularly train. And the ham radio operators have nets where we work with uh, radio operators that have both ham radio as well as the small little family radio service radios. And each Monday night, we let local non-hams say their name and location, and then ham radio operators will be able to tune in to about two or three blocks away and take those reports from residents that are not hams and then feed that information to an EOC. So in an emergency, if a resident is buried uh, under a refrigerator, if they have the small little F FRS radio, or maybe even a larger one. Uh, this one is made by uh, one of the uh, manufacturers of personal communications equipment. These small radios can radio out to local hams who also have small FRS radios, but they have the ham training to take those reports and notify authorities that someone at 2414 is stuck under the refrigerator. Wow, that's... Uh... That, I never thought about that before, but that's one way that you would know uh, where someone that wasn't a ham uh, would be. That's, uh, that's really super. And hopefully more and more uh, people will get their amateur radio license and uh, it won't be so hard for you guys. <laughs> um, I've, uh, Brian, you're a Saturn net. You, do you run this network? Uh, is it every night? And what frequencies are, are your networks that people could listen in? So we have a uh, we have a nine o'clock net during any active disaster. So that would be now, uh, and it's on three point nine two megahertz, thirty nine twenty as we call it, and it's at nine p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time every night during the disaster. Uh, we don't want a lot of check-ins because <laughs> we're passing information back and forth, but people are welcome to listen in and uh, hear, hear what's going on down in Joplin. I would just add there that Gordo makes a great point and uh, cert. Uh, which is the community emergency response team which started out there in gordo's backyard uh here in the kansas city area we have a lot of different trained cert teams and we definitely encourage them to get their ham license but it's not for everybody uh, some people uh, don't want to make the time commitment even though it's only about a saturday and a half to do so we uh, we do the exact same thing family radio i would say uh, if you don't get your ham license uh, yet uh, family radio is a great gateway into getting you interested in ham radio and community the community emergency response teams here uh, use that quite frequently and we partner with them so i would just uh, say that uh, cert is another one of those preparedness things that goes so well with your ham license uh, and highly recommended 
That's great. Well, we um, we have plans here on Ham Nation. Uh, as soon as the new studio is built, that's taking a lot of time uh, for Leo, but he is absolutely gung-ho about getting his license. He's uh, He's got some of Gordo's license manuals. In fact, he's been been already rehearsing, so to speak, but we are uh, going to, to every week, uh, when, when we get in that new studio, Leo will come on the air for a little bit, and we're going take lessons so all of you that's been real interested and you didn't quite know could i do this you can study along with leo and we're going to try to work out a situation timing and so on to have the volunteer uh, uh, commissioners from the fcc certified commissioners come into the studio and give leo his license test on the air. I think it'll be really fun to do, and um, we're working that out. I'll be down the line a little bit. We've got to get that studio going, and uh, Leo will, he really wants to do this. It's been uh, been right at the top of the list all along, but so many things going on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have that done. So, you uh, you be watching here, and we're going to have a lot more information about some of that as we uh, uh, move down the line here each week on Ham Nation. Uh, th there's a couple of pictures that I thought were really interesting. Uh, number 17, 18, and 19. Brian, you might want to talk about those. When you go in to a situation like this, you have to set up your own antennas. And um, you might want to uh, look at, uh, at number 17 and tell us what's going on with 17, 18, and 19. Right. Uh, Gordo said that, uh, you know, we've got all this technology, and uh, we definitely put it to good use. But it takes a little time to get that deployed on the ground. Uh, and uh, our radios, again, uh, are around and everywhere. In fact, that's one of the things that makes ham radio so, uh, so vitally important. In any disaster, we don't have to be dispatched. We're already there. So ham radio operators are in every county of the U.S., over 700,000 of us uh, out there, uh, 5,000 just in Kansas City alone. Uh, and so uh, we're on the ground, and sometimes the old tricks are the best tricks are using the radios. But like uh, you can see there in Number 17, it does take a little bit of setup time uh, to get your, your antennas up high enough uh, to where you can make communications all around the city, especially in a city as, as damaged as Joplin was uh, because uh, the infrastructure for the first few days just isn't there. In fact, the hospitals, uh, the first couple of hours, uh, we're talking back to Springfield, uh, to other hospitals to be able to evacuate uh, for the first several hours. Ham radio was their only communication. What's interesting about Joplin is that uh, the, uh, the path was only about a half mile wide and six miles long. So there, it's, a, it's a much larger city than that. So you actually have a lot of infrastructure that remained in place. But what happened is that all the landlines stopped working. And then you have this influx of volunteers that just completely overwhelms the cellular network. So you, even, uh, even though the towers for the cellular uh, phones are still up, uh, there's no way you can make a phone call because they are just inundated with the number of calls. And ham radio, uh, fortunately, there was only one repeater that got knocked out in the tornado's past, so there were still two up and running. And we we're very fortunate to the groups that were allowing the uh, Salvation Army to use those repeaters. Uh, Jim Scott uh, down there in uh, Joplin uh, especially really helped us out with the use of his repeater, and we, we appreciate that. But it definitely takes some setup time. You can see in the router... And the, the satellite dish, there's actually a dedicated team that, that gets uh, those set up for the Salvation Army as well. And they're not, actually they are hams, but uh, they're not using ham radio technology to do that. That's, uh, that's a more commercial technology. 
But there is yeah. a definite setup process, and it uh, takes. It took me about an hour and a half to get everything up and running when I got down on there. It was interesting. You said you had an interesting change of agenda uh, for this week, and I thought, you know what? I I felt the same way as I landed coming back from Dayton. Uh, I I got a text message that my aunt and uncle's house had been destroyed uh, there in Joplin, and uh, that was the first I had heard of any uh, any weather event because I'd been up in the air. And uh, so quickly uh, transitioned from, uh, you know, going back to work to uh, go and do, do some emergency volunteer work down in Joplin as well as help them out. Oh, that's, that's just amazing. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. Uh, one of the other things, Gordo, is uh, out there you have a tremendous uh, group of people, and I was very impressed with uh, Slide 14 shows one of those where you guys, what, what is your, your situation with the, uh, the department where you have a helicopter? I don't know if you can see that, but uh, there's a person with a handy talkie, but there's a helicopter up there way up in the sky. There you go. And tell them about that helicopter that you guys use, uh, Gordon. Our city of Costa Mesa, beyond having just a great ham radio team called MESAC, in addition to the CERT team that works closely with MESAC, the CERT members are non-hams, we also have pilots that pilot our aerial helicopter manned by the police department, and that helicopter with the licensed pilots will, during an emergency or during a bona fide training drill, send down live television pictures. So that was a drill last year's field day, and it allows us with amateur television equipment to be able to ask the pilots to please send down a video of our field day site or that was April Mail's hospital disaster group, and uh, they're obliging to do so. And it's a resource that hams have that, quite frankly, not many helicopters throughout the United States have that capability. But the ham radio operators have provided that for our city of Costa Mesa, Newport, and Santa Ana. That's really great. Slide 15 then shows, uh, shows you in the van. I, I hope you can see that picture where you're actually looking at the monitor that, and the picture that the helicopter is sending down uh, to you guys on the ground. And I, that just has to be such help when you're in this disaster situation and you, you can't get around very well. Hey, the helicopter can go with their television camera and feed it to you guys in the command centers. That's, that's just amazing. And uh, there, there was a nice picture that Brian took of the command center. Uh, it uh, slide eight. It shows how they have to set up in a room somewhere and start working with each other as to where do we go now? What do we do? Because they're coming into a strange city and they're looking at maps and and, and I'm sure, uh, of course, in touch with all of uh, the other communications with their handy talkies and their radios. And it's it just takes a lot of time to set all that up and bless all you guys for doing that. I, I just, uh, I can't imagine how that all happens. But you do it well because you train so much and that's what we need to do is to get more amateur radio operators in, interested in the hobby, not just talking uh, 
to, the, to our buddies and our friends across the ocean and all that, but uh, put some of our time back into when maybe it could save your own life. So that that's really a, a, a tremendous thing. And you talked about the food preparation. Um, that that's that's got to take a lot of time, Brian. How did how did they prepare it in? Um, in Joplin, there's a slide coming up, number 16, and uh, so on. I, how, how do they do that ahead of time? I, I just can't imagine how you do that so quickly. Well, it is amazing. This is a great picture. Uh, John Hochscheid on the left, his call sign is W0BBQ. And, of course, he's uh, from Kansas City, and so you can tell what he likes to do. But basically, what I, the reason this slide is really interesting is because ham radio, if you think about it, is the original social network. And uh, John is associated with these guys uh, who like to uh, do competitive barbecuing. And they have these gigantic trailers uh, that they go out and, and compete in different competitions. Uh, well, so they decided that they were going to try to come down and help. So they got the donation of a lot of food from uh, Sam's and Tyson. Uh, to uh, They provided all the meat, and they just needed somebody to cook it. So you have a whole group here uh, that was just going to come down and set up on the corner and feed whoever showed up. Uh, but because John knew of my work with the Salvation Army, and uh, we know each other personally through ham radio, he said, you know, what can we do to get more meals served inside the disaster area? Because we really don't have access to that. So uh, I was able to make the connection with John and some of the logistics guys at the Salvation Army so that we started uh, uh, feeding meals uh, through the Salvation Army trucks. And they, in the first couple of days, they fed uh, a thousand meals and then ramped on up to like two or three thousand. It's just incredible, and just a, a, it it is amazing how many people will come in and help you. And uh, and like I said, the original social network, Ham Radio. It's great to know people who can come and help. That's amazing. I also heard that. The hospital, of course, got blown away. The building didn't get blown away, but there were people actually blown out of the hospital beds, and some of them, I guess, would go blown out of the building. That's just so hard for me to realize. But uh, then there was no communications, and I understand that for a couple of days, you guys, ham radio operators in Joplin, were the only leg, the only way that you could communicate from that hospital to St. John's about, what, 50, 60 miles to Springfield. Uh, how did that all set up? Were you involved in that particular uh, uh, setup between the hospitals? Uh, no, that was actually there before before I got there. But they actually have, uh, just like uh, we have a program in Kansas City that's very similar, where we have a group of people who are uh, pre-associated with the hospital. And so uh, if there's ever a disaster, they automatically self-deploy. Uh, and that is done under, uh, in, in Joplin, it's done under the uh, Jasper County Aries program. And that's another, uh, another <laughs> whole different set of hams. You know, here's this other group that's doing uh, this same type of emergency relief effort, but they were specifically doing it uh, for government agencies and for the hospital. So they were able to provide communications, again, through one of the local repeaters that was still on the air and to be able to communicate over to Springfield, uh, like you said. And that went on for the first uh, first about 24 hours before they were able to get the hospital completely evacuated. Uh, it was basically a total loss and just wow. incredible, to, incredible to see. There's actually a great, uh, a great story called uh, 45 Seconds uh, Memoirs uh, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of a 
It's a memo memoirs of an ER doctor from May 22nd that was written by one of the uh, St. John's uh, emergency doctors, and he talks about the uh, impact as the tornado hits. Uh, just, uh, change, just a life-changing event for him. I would imagine. Now, you, you have uh, that same type of a hospital set up in, uh, in Southern Cal, too, uh, with April and their group. Is that right, uh, Gordon? How does that all work out for you? Uh, we do. Here in Southern California, we're blessed with pretty reliable weather, so we're not regularly using our ham operators. But you know, the American Radio Relay League, the Association of Amateur Operators, uh, one of our main rules for Part 97 of the FCC rules is we need to be prepared for emergency preparedness. So ham radio operators throughout the United States have many opportunities with their most basic license called the technician class license. They can join ARIES, Amateur Radio Emergency Service, which Brian was saying can self-activate and uh, the ARRL and ARIES program has terrific training under a 45-hour uh, training course that HAMS take online. There's RACES, Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service, but RACES won't activate until they get the word from the local governor or with county officials. And the RACES requires uh, activation only when they are uh, duly activated. Of course, Brian's group Saturn plays a very important part throughout all of the country. Uh, Skywarn, these men and women ham radio operators with a basic technician class license do a fabulous job of letting uh, other hams know when uh, a big twister is ready to touch down. Then, of course, there's the weather service hams, many working for the National Hurricane Center down in Miami. And this coming Saturday, they're going to be testing the National Hurricane Center's ham radio force on 14.325. And we also have city teams such as ours here in Costa Mesa. We have CERT teams. We have REACT teams. We have the American Red Cross with their communication teams. The LDS Church, they have their emergency ham radio communicators. Baptist Ministries have hams. And of course, local hospitals will also embrace ham operators because they're able to use these licensed ham operators to help uh, when the big one hits or they may have a power outage and need the ham help. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, I, I, uh, slide 10, I want to show this slide 10. Uh, this, is, um, this is Gordon's personal van. And he uses it so often. You see it all over Southern Cal. And, of course, those antennas, he can have those up. How long does it take you to get all that set up, Gordon? It's not very long, is it? Well, I, I probably take more time than what uh, Brian did to set up. But, you know, the ham radio service made up of all volunteers. Um, we come together. We've trained together. We play together. And as Brian indicates, it's our mission to try and get these antennas up within an hour to be prepared to start handling traffic. Yeah, we have a, a national field day, as we call it, <clears throat> coming up here in a few weeks. And what's going to happen there is we will have uh, uh, some guys on the week before.
And I will go out and cover some of that. I'll try to get some good pictures and maybe some video stuff for us here that we can play on Ham Nation and let you see what happens on field day because that is our, our weekend to test our abilities. Uh, Brian just got through testing his abilities the best you could ever test it. We don't want to test it like that, but they were there. And because of what we learn on field day, Brian and his group and all of the people in Joplin, there's still people there helping uh, to do the communications. We learned that on field day. And so we're going to bring you some of the highlights of that. And, and we're talking about things where guys will do crazy stuff. Uh, not long ago, I was at a field day and a guy took a pair of lawn chairs. We're talking about aluminum lawn chairs. And he tied wire in a certain place and got them all fixed up. That was his antenna. He didn't have anything but that. Everything else was blown away. The towers were gone. What do you do? Uh, so he gets out his battery and he hooks up his, his, his radio and what else was left? Aluminum in a lawn chair. And that's the kind of crazy stuff we do. But it's not very crazy when you see some of these pictures and you hear some of these stories about the serious nature of what ham radio operators have to do to save people's lives and that's exactly what was going on for the past week over in Joplin it, it was it's just amazing I, I want to play at this time a, a very very cool story I want Brian to tell you about his cousin and the whole story of how a piano saved their life, and there's a little YouTube coupled to it. Brian, this is, this is kind of a great way to start winding down this program. We, we've been very serious about this, and you guys kind of opened... You kind of opened the sky, so to speak, and um, let's hear that story about your cousin and your aunt and all of that. This was absolutely a fantastic story. Yeah, so um, I found out when I uh, got to Joplin that my aunt and uncle had uh, taken cover in a closet because a lot of the a lot of the new construction in Joplin doesn't have uh, basements. So they were just extremely fortunate. They didn't have a bruise on them because their uh, closet had protected them from the, the direct hit of the tornado, although the rest of their house was destroyed. So then as we were helping to clean out, we were looking around, and, and I took a look at the structural wall, uh, that was the wall that was uh, attached to the closet and really had helped uh, keep the roof over the closet standing. And that structural wall had come off the foundation and the roof uh, uh, was really just kind of balanced very lightly upon it. And uh, I looked a little closer where, the, where that wall was touching the piano and I, I tried to move the piano and I could, we couldn't budget at all because it was in fact holding up the entire load structure of the house. Uh, not only that wall, but the entire roof. And I am convinced that if that piano hadn't been there, uh, that wall would have come over, uh, the roof would have collapsed, and, and my 85 and 86-year-old aunt and uncle, no doubt, would have been crushed, and that would have been over. Oh. So, so the video you're about to see, yeah, there's the piano that saved their life. Uh, the video you're about to see, you know, is kind of uh, daunting. They're clearing out all the... Um, drywall and, and boards and everything that had fallen and then trying to sort out all the pictures and mementos from their life. Uh, but uh, my cousin sat down at the piano and said, uh, let's clear this thing off. Uh, you know, it's, we need a little hope. And this piano uh, is responsible for us 
being able to be here today and, and not be mourning. So he said, let's have a little hope. And he sat down and started to play. Wow. Scott Joplin. Uh, well, let's see. Entertainer. Get the <laughs> All right, ready? Kick to say that there were a few uh, notes, uh, bad notes left behind by the tornado in that piano. Those weren't his fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's just a tremendous, tremendous statement of what you have to do to keep your spirits alive during those times, don't you think, Gordon? Boy, I sure do. Um, he's really got the beat, and um, we ought to make him a ham radio operator, too, huh? I told him he's excited now. Uh, you know, it's amazing how you get. I actually, uh, I've recruited. Um, I have 16 cousins who are ham radio operators, and my goal was to get all my grandfathers. I'm sorry, all my father's grandchildren to get their ham license, and I'm down to just one holdout. So if I can get Margot to get her ham license, uh, we'll be in good shape. And Gary, of course, is now very interested seeing what ham radio could do and being able to see what we did uh, with the Salvation Army for the folks that are down there. I think uh, think we may have another convert or two. Oh, wow. That, that sounds great, Brian. And uh, Bob and Brian, I do have uh, a quick uh, recording to show you how hams brand new to our service can jump into action when uh, the big one hits in Southern California. This was actually a huge fire in a community and these are brand new hams giving their traffic reports. Tango Shelter Delta. Fire is spreading over to Country Club Drive rapidly. Five homes are in immediate danger. We need evacuation now of these homes. Boy, they sound pretty casual, huh? Brand new wow. ham. Wow. Well, it's uh, it, it's just remarkable when I hear all these stories, and I I knew going into this that we'd have to have. Uh, we'd have to have you, Gordon, because you, you've been a leader on the West Coast, and Brian's been in the thick of it for all these times, and it, there's so many other stories. It'd be great to have everybody on, but we don't have enough time to do all of that, but we will try to have each of you guys on. I know there are tremendous amounts of stories out there, but this Joplin thing was, uh, it was really something, and you guys, of course, uh, saved a lot of lives, and you've caused a, a lot 
lot of people to live a, a little better than they probably would have. And uh, people like Jim White and his family over there that bring in all the people and make a dormitory out of their house. It's, it's just remarkable how everybody opens their arms, and the hams are the first to do that. I, I've noticed that all the many decades that I've been an amateur radio operator, uh, their whole life is, is dependent on helping somebody, whether it be helping them to learn the code, to learn how to build things, uh, antenna theory, uh, teach them how to get their license. It, 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 it starts all the way back into that and carries right through to you guys doing all this emergency stuff. And I really appreciate all of the, the great work that you guys have done, and I appreciate you being on here tonight. And Brian, if you, you have anything that you want to do in the closing moments of Ham Nation to, to let the people know uh, what's going on in Kansas City and We'd, we'd just like to hear your, your last comments about the whole week that's been uh, laid upon you after that happy time we had in Dayton. Right. Yeah, it's such a gear change. Well, just two quick things. Uh, just, uh, just to reiterate how important ham radio is to hospitals, we actually had a, a grant that was issued in Kansas City and all have ham radio pre-installed. And the ham class that I work with, uh, Matt May and Carolyn Wells on to, to teach people to how to get their ham license has been focused on getting uh, volunteers for those hospitals. Uh, so uh, hospitals uh, definitely see see the benefit. And I would just put out a plea. I know there are a lot of uh, a lot of hams watching tonight and a lot of people there in the chat room. Uh, get involved in the service events because that's the way you be, you become so well trained that it becomes second nature and in a disaster. It is just extremely easy to transition into doing exactly what we do in a disaster because it's exactly like what you did in a public service event. I love to contest and to DX as much as anybody. I love everything about ham radio, just like Bob does. But uh, I will tell you, my service at public service events uh, are extremely rewarding, but the service in Joplin just gives you chills, and you can't imagine the feeling you get by being able to... Uh, hand somebody a bottle of water or a sandwich or be able to communicate uh, in times of need. It's the best feeling ever. I encourage all of you to get started doing that by joining Aries, joining Saturn, and participating in public service events. That uh, that can be said any better uh, after the week you've had. And Gordon, what what are uh, some of the plans out there that uh, that your group has going, and uh, how can we make this better for the world? Um, we're going to be having a big field day, and our Santa Ana response team is the group that is uh, putting it on. But we encourage all of our viewers and listeners to start out with a battery-operated little shortwave uh, radio. This one has a little crank, and you crank it, and automatically it'll start uh, playing. Uh, the family radio service is a great way to get started in uh, learning how radios work and graduate up to uh, the GMRS radio service. That is a license-free uh, service for FRS. GMRS requires a simple test. And then take the big test. It's not really that hard. 35 questions. And then earn your amateur radio technician class license. And then get a big rig. And uh, Brian probably uh, knows this rig well in that uh, this is a portable uh, 
radio that is both high frequency for bouncing signals off the ionosphere. So whatever your interest is, make radio your uh, best uh, lifesaver in case the big one hits, and then move up into ham radio. And then, like Brian and Bob and Sarah and my Susie and good old Gordo here, we can give back to our amateur radio service to our community. Absolutely. And we're going to try to cover all these. I've had so many emails, and I invite everybody to do that. Bob at HeilSound.com. It's very simple. Bob at HeilSound.com. And uh, we, we've had so many requests since last week to cover this, do that. And I, I keep a list of this because I, I don't, I don't want to miss anything. And this is a show for all of us. And uh, we're going to start in next week. I want to talk about... What's going on? What's single sideband? What's FM? What's satellite communicate? We're going to try to explain some of this in real simple terms for you. And so you want to, want to join in every week. And of course, uh, we'll have a lot of different people on here to help. We've got one group from China that does satellite communications over there. Uh, and all of us here can take a handy talkie, hook it up to an antenna, stand it out in the backyard and talk via the space capsules. How about that one? It's amazing. Every, every one of the space shuttles that went up uh, has a ham on board. Am I right that each one of them, Gordo, or did we have every one from the beginning? But it's pretty much here of late. Every one of those has a, a ham aboard, right? They really do. That is their hobby, and they communicate with schools, and uh, it's been a terrific program for the astronauts, as well as those down here. And when people say, well, who have you talked to? What's the furthest? I have to say, you mean on land, or do you mean maybe in space? <laughs> well, we've got a, a really great thing coming up here. Uh, uh, we get it all scheduled. Uh, it was one of those classrooms, and uh, the kids talked to, uh, to the astronauts, and uh, it, it's really great. So we'll get all that going. But I really appreciate your time, guys. Thanks so very much, and, and we're going to, uh, to wrap it up here on uh, Ham Nation. I thank everybody for listening and watching and hope that we can uh, continue to bring you interesting subjects but the number one subject is amateur radio and how much fun you can have how important it is it's each of our lives and um, we'll continue right here on the twit network and be sure to join us uh, live each uh, tuesday night and if not of course we have uh, have it on the replay as you well know you can see all of, and here on podcast uh, all of the broadcasts that we do as well as all the podcasts uh, here on the twit network and we thank leo laporte for giving us the time and all of the engineers that take their time to make all this happen so uh, thank you so very much for tuning in we'll see you next week uh, bring your pencils and we're going to uh, not have a test but uh, might be some things you want to learn and write down and all that kind of good stuff we're going to maybe fire up some receivers and we're going to play uh, play next week it's going to be quite interesting so thanks very much We'll uh, talk to you somewhere on 75 meters or 40 meters. And somebody asked me a while, uh, while ago uh, before I left the factory, he said, well, where do you hang out? I hang out on 75 late night, 3850, 3875, 3820, all over up and down there at late night because 20 meters is usually closed down. But we're going to explain all that next week. What's 20 meters? How come you don't talk to there at late night? <laughs> and then when six meters is open, aha, it's like Christmas. <laughs> 
Magic Band, and we're going to explain all that. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all in the chat room. We're watching you. It's very difficult to keep all this going and uh, keep that going, too. We are watching the chat room. Somebody said a while ago, why we should be there. Well, we try to keep an eye on all of you, but uh, got things to do tonight, especially with all of the wonderful pictures. Thanks for those great stories, Brian. Uh, you're, uh, you're a real hero uh, to the people in Joplin, along with your team. I thank you very much for your time. Well, Bob, I just try to live up to what the example that you and Gordo set. You've got a very high bar. I'm trying. <laughs> Gordo, thanks very much, man. And uh, we'll be talking real soon. You and Susie have fun. And I appreciate your time tonight. And uh, we're going to get to cracking on the books with Leo next with you guys. So I appreciate you coming, okay? Roger that. Thanks, Brian, for your service. And 73 to all from Gordo and Susie. <laughs> and 60LM. Seventy-three. Right. Seventy-three, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next week here on Ham Nation. Bop, bop, bop.